Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm so excited to be here with you on this. What day? It's January 23rd. It's somebody's birthday today. Happy birthday, whoever you are today. <laughs> somebody's birthday today. I can't think whose it is. But anyway, so thrilled to be here with you this morning. We've got a great week lined up for you this week, and lots of fun things in the hopper, and a big announcement coming of something that we have coming up in April that I think you guys are going to get excited about, because I'm excited about it. It's a little crazy, but a little fun. Uh, not ready to tell you yet, but it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. In just a second, Traven's going to start to show those to you. Today's topic, you can see it right there on the screen. We're, on Mondays now, we're doing those parent-to-parent -parent tips, because um, we were just going to do it for a period of time during the summer, and then you guys asked to continue it, so we're continuing it. That's our Monday fair right now and we love topics if there's something that you guys want we've got a bunch of things in the hopper that are like the top 10 tips to help you with things and if there's something you want the top 10 tips about then let us know or if there's something a discussion that you're like parent to parent i think we need to have this discussion let us know and we'll we'll put it into the mix for 2023 isn't that still weird is anybody else having a hard time it doesn't roll trippingly off the tongue. It's 2023. That's crazy. Um, but thrilled to be here and thrilled to be talking with you today about how to reduce stress because it's always going to be there, right? It, to some degree, it's always going to be there. And we know that for families that have kiddos that have different needs, whether they be special or otherwise, we know that the stress is more. Let's not pretend that it isn't. And I know that there are other people who are like, oh, it's just like when you have, no, you don't know, please. Um, I was gonna say, shut your pie hole, but that, is, that would be rude. Uh, so, and yet I said it anyway. But you know how when you're talking to somebody about your kiddo and you're like, well, you know, it's extra hard for us because, and then the person goes, no, it's the same for those of us who have typical kids. And you just wanna go, Thank you. No, you missed the whole point here. It isn't the same. Um, I just kind of, why do people feel the need to do that? Why do they have to like have this equivalency with everything? Just let people have their feelings, right? But that's another show, how to deal with those people. So we're going to be talking about how to reduce stress. And uh, it's a, it is sort of an unbelievable list because I'm going to tell you that pretty much everything on the list, I think as I'm going through it, I think everything is free on the list and they're all available to you like today with maybe maybe one exception that I got to talk to Traven about to see if we have. Um, but um, they're easy things. They're even things that you could do, you know, within this hour. So we're going to be talking about those in just a second. But Traven has started to show you the different ways that you can be watching and connecting with the show and not just watching this show, but if you are here and you like what we're doing here and you're like, you know, what I would have liked to have had were the top 10 tips on potty training. Well, we did that two weeks ago and there's an archive of it. There's a video and you can go back and watch that. And not only that, there's 12 years of videos in the mix, 12 years of videos with all kinds of experts, all different kinds of topics that we've covered uh, with all different kinds of perspectives. And if you're watching this and you're like, but wait a second, why is it parent to parent? Why aren't we having more conversations with people who are actually on the spectrum, which is a valid, valid point, but we have those as well. It's just that now we don't do that on Mondays, typically. Who knows? It could happen again. 
but um, we absolutely do. So just to, to bring this back around is that we here at Autism Network, which Autism Live is a part of, our mission is to provide information and inspiration to the full autism community. Of course, that starts with individuals who are on the spectrum. Of course, of course, of course, right? Um, because they are the beating heart of our community. They're the big why for you know what drives all of us, right? That we want to help support those individuals, but also give them a voice. Let's hear from them, right? So that is what our programming is uh, definitely about. But it also, we include in that conversation things to help the people who love individuals on the spectrum to be better allies. Because they're a part of the community as well. And I identify as a proud pony. I'm a parent of a neurodiverse individual, which is not the same perspective as someone who is on the spectrum. It can't be. It cannot be. And I never want to come across as somebody who's like, oh, I know what it, no, I don't. I don't. What I do know is what it is like for me to be a parent of someone who's neurodiverse. And I've been on that journey for, we officially have crossed, uh, is it 17 years? I'm so bad at math. I've been on that journey, I think it was just the other day that we, it was, we commemorated that it was, I think it's been 17 years since he was diagnosed. Now, there are lots of people out there who have been on this journey longer than that, um, but 17 years is a, is a long time, let me say that. And I, uh, during that time, over 12 years I've been doing this show, and before that, for I think three or four years, I was doing a radio show where I was interviewing experts about autism. So, and, my, and, I, and now, I, you know, I have a book that's out that's called Autism Parent to Parent, and in it, when you go to the teenager chapter, I say, I, you know, let's be honest, I'm, you know, in the thick of it. I'm not at the end of it, so ask me when I'm at the end of it. I'm almost at the end of it. Uh, in less than six months, he turns 20, and I'm almost at the end of it. There's the book. Um, so I, you know, and then, uh, you know, I'm already in the adulthood thing and I by no means know everything there is about adulthood, but I'm just saying between interviewing people and living it myself, I've talked about this with a lot of people for a long time and I love picking up tips and tricks and going, let's share those. Let's share those. If I learn something, I want to bring it here to you guys because honestly, I feel like that's the journey that I'm on. Now I'm going to get emotional. That when, 17 years ago, when my son was diagnosed, one of the first things that I said after I went through whew, plethora of emotions was, I went, okay, if this is our journey, and clearly this is our journey, I want it to count for something. I want it, I want to help our son, and then I want to be able to help other people, and I want it to count for something. I want it to have mattered that we took this journey. I want it, I want to leave it better than I found it. You know what I mean? I want to be able to help somebody else along the way. And if I see that while we're going through this, that there's something that would have helped us, I want to help to bring that to other people. So um, that's, you know, that's part of why I'm here. Because if I can help you and your journey is different, please don't think that I think that your journey is the same as mine. It's different. But if I can help you to get to the good stuff, Oh, that makes me really happy. Then I feel like I'm living my purpose-driven life, right? So don't be afraid to write in. We're live right now, as I said, on all those sites. And if you're on YouTube or you're on Facebook, write in and say good morning. Nobody has said anything in the chat yet. The chat is live. And I love interacting with you guys. So feel free to write in and tell me if you're watching. If you're watching uh, or listening in podcast, don't feel like that you can't connect with the show. There are still many ways to connect. We still have a, um, it says chat. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for writing in. I don't feel alone anymore. Um, there, on, on our autism-live site, it says chat. Uh, that's a misnomer. It's a place where you can leave a comment. Um, and we can get those comments. But you can, excuse me. Now I'm going to get the hiccups. Um, you can also email me. Um, so my direct email is shannon at autism-live.com. And you can reach me there if you have a question or a comment and you're watching or listening to the podcast, as it were. Uh, you can definitely check that out. 
I do want to say, because we were talking about giving people on the spectrum a voice, which we try to have guests on all the time and interview uh, people on the spectrum, but we also, in 2022, launched our new podcast, Stories from the Spectrum, which is only folks on the spectrum, only people who identify as neurodiverse, only their words all the time. And we launched a new episode of that on Friday, which if you didn't see, you are missing out. It, I get so excited when I see uh, a new episode taking shape because it's little vignettes. They get between three and 10 minutes to you know, take the time to promote themselves, uh, talk about something that they, is on their mind. Uh, show off what they got to show off, sing, interview other people. It's fantastic. Stories from the Spectrum. Make sure you check it out. Most of our shows now, when we podcast, only podcast in audio. The exception is Stories from the Spectrum. You can check, you can download the podcast and download the video. Everything else, we ask you to go to YouTube and check it out. It's just that we feel like that is so visual. The you know, some of the ways that they tell stories is so visual that um, we felt that it was important that we do that. So that is still happening. Okay. Uh, I uh, also want to say that when we do this parent to parent stuff, anytime we do the show, we give the disclaimer that, you, you know, I'm not an expert. We have experts on. Tomorrow we're going to have Dr. Grampichet on, Dr. Doreen Grampichet. She's an expert in the field of autism. I am not, and I'm not even pretending to be one on the internet. Uh, I'm only claiming to be a parent who's learned a thing or three from other parents and from my journey that I want to share. But always expert advice is better. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's good to talk to experts. It's good to get their opinion on things. Don't ever take my advice as uh, expert advice. So we like to give that disclaimer. So let's dive in here and uh, start to talk about stress a little bit because stress is a part of any parenting journey. Absolutely, let's admit that. But they have documented that if you have anyone in your family that has special needs, that there is additional stress. Now there is one study that said that the stress that autism parents go through is comparable to the stress that soldiers in combat go through. Think about that for just a second about how much stress that must be. And if you are someone who's like, you know, I feel like a little like things happen and I feel triggered and maybe I have PTSD and you are not like thinking out of the realm of possibility. Let's be honest here. There are many autism parents who have been diagnosed with PTSD. But let's separate this out a little bit before we get any further. And if anybody is watching that is actually on the spectrum themselves, let me be very abundantly clear that the stress that we feel as autism parents is almost never relating to our actual child and how we feel about our actual child. It is about trying to get services for our child. It's about not understanding how to be the best ally for our child. It's about not knowing how to do all the things that we have to do so that we can take care of our child and keep a roof over our head and make sure that everybody's healthy and fed. Like that is a ginormous stressor. I think one, you know, years ago, the Ian Project did a, a survey of autism parents and asked them about the stress that they were feeling. And overwhelmingly, parents answered that getting connected to services and knowing which services to get was the single biggest stressor in their lives. So I want to be clear because I think when we talk about stress sometimes and how stressful it is to be an autism parent, what I see is that the, the friends that I have that are on the spectrum go, you know, that kind of makes us feel bad, like we're a burden. I don't want you to think that at all. You're not the burden. The, the system does not support parents in supporting you. That's not your fault. That is not a, a, an indictment of who you are in any way, shape, and form. Um, it is it is saying that we would like help and support so that we can be better showing up for you. And it is stressful. 
it is stressful when you feel like you don't understand how to help your child. But that is never the child's fault. And our feelings towards the child do not change because we didn't, we're never like, oh, well, you know, uh, I don't like my child. Um, what, what we are is saying, I don't know how to be the best parent for my child. I feel unprepared. That's a much different thing. Hopefully that clears that up. Okay, and I put on here because stress is real. Let's stop acting like it's going to go away. Let's stop acting like um, it's just us and that it's our problem and that we're the only ones. Let's toss that stuff into the ocean because it's not true. Stress is real and it isn't going to go away. What it will do is that we can slide the meter if, you know, if there was a meter from one to 10, you know, that we don't have to always be at a 10 that life can be much better if we are below a five. So these tips that I've given you, and you're gonna be surprised by some of them because you're gonna go, I didn't think she was gonna say that. Um, these are real things that sometimes, you know, that are coping mechanisms that sometimes we get divorced from because we're so busy doing that we forgot how to take care of ourselves while we're taking care of other people. So some of these might surprise you and I'd love it if you write in and go, okay, that took a left turn. I didn't think she was going there. Um, but I think this is a great actual helping list of potential things that you could do whenever you feel the stress starting to mount because it's better to get to it before the stress is at a 10, right? Um, so here are some things to do to help. So number one, and this cannot be overstated, right? Prioritize sleep for everyone in the family. Think about this for just a second, that if you are underslept, your ability to cope is going to go su substantially down. And when something happens, your stress response is going to go substantially up. Like, can we, like, is that just me? Can anybody give me an amen? I think that's all of us, right? So that's us. Let's think about our kids. If our kids, and, and let's also acknowledge that the world is very stressful for people on the autism spectrum. It is. And, and there's like stuff flying at them, sound-wise, sensory-wise, you know, things coming at them. And you might say to yourself, gosh, you know, sometimes my kiddo is able to cope with it and sometimes they're not. Well, if we look at the environment, we can see lots of different reasons why sometimes all of us can cope and sometimes we can't. But sleep, essential. If we are having a child that doesn't sleep, then we don't get to sleep and now everybody's ability to cope goes out the window. So what does it mean to prioritize sleep? Um, oh, an infinite, uh, Zena says, the stress we feel is comparable to having a newborn in the house, but for millions of years. Yes, yes. I think this is one of the great things that people don't realize when they say, oh, you know, I have kids too, and so I understand the stress, and you go, no, no, you don't understand. Because when you have a newborn, you are you got to be on top of things and aware constantly, right? You can't, you can't just like walk out and get the mail and, and come back in. Although I know people who do that, do that with newborns, but you can't just, and toddlers, you can't just leave them alone. They need constant 24 hour care. But as that, that, you know, I hate the word typical, but as that typical baby develops, it gets to a point when they're seven and they're at school and the parent goes, hey, I'm, you know, for the next four hours, I don't have to think about my kid. We don't get that luxury. We don't get that luxury. Um, so you're absolutely right, infinite, infinite Zena. Um, <laughs> oh, Jacob, Jacob says not relevant to the subject, but I like the cat picture, LOL. It's totally relevant. For those of you who are listening in podcasts, there's a precious picture of a kitty with its eyes closed and its paws up. I try to make these things uh, fun and, and good, the images, uh, so that they add to what it is that we're doing. So thank you for noticing, Jacob. Um, and it isn't uh, not, it, it is relevant. That's what I want to say. Uh, hello and good morning, Ms. Hellraiser. 
So prioritizing sleep, what does that actually mean? And Dr. Grampichet has done some really good talks with us about when your child isn't sleeping, things to do, and I'll make sure that we talk about that tomorrow. Um, but if your kiddo is not sleeping, if you have one of those kiddos that stays up for three days, it, you know, I know that at a certain point we get tricked into this thing where we go, well, I guess that's my lot in life. I guess that's the new normal. And I got to tell you, there's a whole bunch of crud that the world says to us, well, your kid has autism, so I guess you have to deal with it. A child who stays awake for three hours is not anywhere on the DSM-5 list of symptoms for autism. Something else is going on, and it's very likely something medical, and there are things that you can do, but it does mean that you're going to have to take steps and call your pediatrician and say, I need help, and I need support, and I need you to take me seriously because my child is not sleeping, so we got to look at a bunch of things. And it does mean maybe you have to go to a doctor who's not your pediatrician. Maybe you go to the medmaps.org website and look up doctors there and say something's going. Maybe you go become a member of TACA uh, and get a free mentor for biomedical help, and you go to uh, tacanow.org. To, to become a member there and get that free mentor. Traven's got it up on the screen for you. Um, but you can't just go, well, I think they'll grow out of it because I don't know, you know, I guess that's a possibility, although I've never heard anybody say, yep, my child would be awake for three hours and then just one day they weren't. I've never heard that, but I want to leave room for the possibility that that could happen. But you know what? That will only happen after years of them not getting sleep and you not getting sleep. And every day that your child doesn't get sleep is a day that they're going to be further behind because you cannot process and learn with the speed that you would like your child to learn if they don't have sleep. And you can't be the best ally if you're not getting sleep. So, you know, sometimes it means that you have to call a family member and say, hey, can you come live with us for six months? And um, we'll give you free rent, but I'm going to need you to stay awake during the night hours so that I can sleep. You know, or maybe you call your regional center or somebody and say, we need extra help to support us through the night because I have to get sleep. When, when we started, my son didn't sleep. Oh, God. He, not for three days on end. God bless those of you who have, I, I don't think I'd be alive right now. But my son wouldn't go to sleep until like 3, 3.30 in the morning, and we would have to drive him around in the car to get him to go to sleep. And thank God, when he would go to sleep, he would sleep so hard that we could transfer him from the car to his bed, and he, you know, he would stay out. Um, but I, it was almost the death of me, you guys, literally, because there was one night when I was so tired that I was driving him in the car, and I started to nod off. And it's only through the grace of God that we're, we're all still here. And right after that is when we started getting help and we started with ABA and they said, you know, what are the things on your list? And I said, one is that he needs to be able to sleep and I need to be able to sleep. But the second one is he hits his head on the kitchen floor. So stressful for me. And I really wanted them to work on that first because I was afraid he was going to do permanent brain damage. And they said to us, okay, but here's the deal. We got to get the sleep thing under control first because you won't be able to do the intervention for the head banging unless you have had sleep, mom. That's how critical sleep is. So we had to like change everything that we were doing and set up good sleep habits. I, I want to say to you guys that for us, this may not be your story, but they set up a thing about, so it, at, noon you do this, and at 3 you do this, and at 5 you do this, and at 6.30 you do this, and at 7.30 you do this, and at 8 o'clock he goes to bed, and I was like, that's not going to work. How dumb do I look? I have a master's degree. If that would work, don't you think that we would have done that and he would be asleep? It took three days and he was asleep at 8 o'clock. Because there were little parts of it that I wasn't doing or that I was thinking wouldn't work, but when I followed it religiously for our kid, that worked. Um, and then I started getting sleep. 
But eventually we found out that part of my problem was sleep apnea and I had to go to a CPAP machine because why? You gotta prioritize the sleep for everyone. And my ability to cope with stress is like, it's not perfect, not perfect, so much better than it was when I was getting no sleep even when I was sleeping. So prioritize that sleep. It will make it so that the stress is less. It will, it will. Okay, uh, a bunch of people wrote in. Uh, Ms. Hellraiser says, I love this so much. Yay, big hug. Um, May says, it affects my daughter too. School threatened truancy if it keeps happening. Yeah, I, listen, um, it's hard. I, you know, I have a kid who typically would fall asleep in class. It, it got it all boring. Uh, you know, narcolepsy runs in my family. I don't think he has narcolepsy, but we all are insomniacs and it's rough. But you got to prioritize the sleep. And and sometimes when I was at my best parenting, I if I would make sure that my son got enough physical activity during the day, which meant that I had to go outside and I don't like outside. Outside has bugs and I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an I'm an indoor kind of person, um, but if I would take him to the park and have him run around, he would sleep better and he would do better in school. I just wasn't. I didn't always prioritize it. But I'm going to suggest that you run your daughter ragged, get her to bed, and then see if school is a little bit better. But don't let the school jerk you around like that. You know, put it in writing to the school saying my daughter is having sleep issues. We need help and support. They can't threaten truancy if your child, uh, they can threaten truancy if your child won't get up to go to school, but then you need to write back and say, this is a part of what's happening with her. We do have an intervention um, so that they don't jerk you around like that. And melatonin, she, uh, she says, helps sometime though, and that's great. Um, there is a, a tablet that Dr. Grampichet has recommended before that um, has melatonin, tryptophan, and one other thing in it. It's called Tranquil Sleep. Um, you can look at that. We did get that and put jam on that for a while too, and that did help. Um, and yes, a sleep schedule does work. I'm so cranky if I don't get sleep, uh, and so is my guy. So are all of us. The world does not work well if it's, you know, I think the exception are doctors that they've been trained, 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 but I wanna say that I bet they would do better if they had sleep, you know, when they're in residency. Okay, that's number one, all right? Number two, I know, shocker, left turn, sing. Okay, we talked about this the other day on the show that in fact, um, there is, the, the vagus nerve, and I'm not, I'm not gonna know which side anatomy-wise, goes down your, right by your throat on one side or the other, I don't know which side it is. Um, but they have done all kinds of studies about this, and when you hum or sing, what it does is it stimulates the vagus nerve and it helps reduce your cortisol levels, which helps reduce your stress. I know it sounds like mumbo jumbo, but in fact, they have found that this helps with cardiac patients, this helps with senior citizens, this helps with kids that if they have singing as a part of their program at school, that it can help reduce the stress. I'm not saying you have to be good at it. I'm not saying that you need to then make a, you know, a one-person show out of it, but singing helps to reduce stress or hum. Um, so that's our number two suggestion. And you have this available to you today. You don't have to have an Apple uh, account. I, I have of hum. It should say or hum. Uh, this PowerPoint, you guys, very nearly killed me. I was telling Traven it took four tries because it kept crashing, and I don't know why. It didn't, the, my computer didn't like it, and it kept going away. So my apologies for the, uh, the typo. But singing or humming, because we talked about this the other day with Dr. Grampiche when we were talking about why do our kids hum. And uh, there are lots of reasons why our kids hum. But it is, there is a potential that one of the reasons why they hum is that they like the vibration in their head. Um, because it does, when you hum, it vibrates the bones like in, and, and your sinus cavities. Um, and for some people, that is a pleasurable feeling. Others, it is not, especially if your sinuses are stuffed. It can feel a little weird. Um, but it can actually help to move the sinuses around and move the gunk in them out if you hum or sing. So I'm always encouraging of making sure that you put at some point in your program, 
put on a little bit of music and hum or sing with your kids. We know that kids learn things like the alphabet and other things that need memorization if they can learn it with a tune and that sometimes our kids find their voice through singing that there are kids who don't talk but will sing words before they talk words. So no matter what your reason for wanting to sing, it can be good for all of those things, including stress. So sing a little. And I encourage uh, singing out. Like if, if it's the shower that you're gonna sing in the shower, do it. I can always tell my stress level by how long the playlist is in the shower. If I am in a good mood and all is well, I am in the shower and it's a full-on concert. If and my husband will say to me, you okay? You took a shower and I didn't hear a thing, right? Because that means I'm deep in thought and stress and trying to figure things out. Otherwise, I'm in there singing. And singing is good for us. It's good to model for our kids. It's good. And remember, you're stimulating that vagus nerve. It's scientifically been proven to reduce stress. So sing it out. Sing what you like. Um, hum, you know, if you're feeling stressed, hum. Hum and see if it helps you. Okay, number three, this seems like a little like, duh, but it's important. Inhale and exhale. And my picture there is uh, stuff that we have for emergencies. You got a fire hose and a fire hydrant because when the poo is hitting the fan and there's a fire, you do not wait. You grab the fire extinguisher and you put the hose on it, right? Depending on what kind of fire it is. Um, this is the one on the list that's for emergencies is inhaling and exhaling. Do you know that they've also done research on this and that when we feel stressed, we do not take as long of an inhale or as long of an exhale. And guess what happens when you do that? your brain goes, wait a second, I'm not getting enough oxygen. And then the panic and flight response is activated. And your proprioceptive or whatever, I don't I'm not even using words I know. But you know, it all starts to go because and then you start, you know, breathing very shallowly, which then further activates that response. So if we can recognize that in a moment when we're feeling the stress, even if the stress is at a 10, there's one thing that I can put in your backpack today is that no matter if it's your stress is at one or 10, this is applicable and helpful. Inhaling slowly and exhaling slowly three times. Now, I was gonna put times three on here, but the truth of the matter is, is if you can do it three times and you have the facility to be able to do it 10 times, 10 times is better than three. But three starts to put it on the right track. Three times inhaling slowly and exhaling slowly. And if you will just do this for yourself, but then also model it for your kids, remember, because we're not only doing this for ourselves, but what we do, our kids see us do. And then it becomes a potential tool for them as well. So if you're starting to feel the stress, the, somebody taught me this and said, a lot of times being in the car or around the car was the most stressful thing for me for lots of reasons why. But getting my son into the car, getting him out of the car, going someplace, any place, stressful. We were always late, you know, and I thought, I don't want to be, sometimes I get very like, ah. And I don't want to be that way driving the car. So somebody said to me, focus on getting him in the car, get him in his five-point harness, and then get your seatbelt on. You can have the car on, put tunes on, whatever, but stop. Before you drive away, stop and take three inhales and three exhales. And you will be a better driver for that car ride than you were if you didn't. And that was so helpful to me because there was one time when I got a ticket because my son had taken off his shoes and undone his harness and thrown his shoes at me and I pulled over at, in a place where I couldn't and I got a ticket. Uh, and I sat there and cried and I was like, you know, my son, you know, and the policeman was like, yeah, but you know, you're gonna get yourselves killed if you, you have to figure out a way to get it together. 
and I told somebody and they were like, three inhales, three exhales. And I use it all the time. There was also a monk, his name was Norman, Norman the monk, who uh, would appear on Oprah. There was a whole period of time, well before we were doing remote interviews, he would do these remote interviews with Oprah. And this is what he would talk about. The power of three inhales, the power of three exhales. That it's life transforming. Now, once you feel how different it is, do more. Like say to yourself, okay, well now I'm gonna tra- I'm, I'm gonna challenge myself that you know today before I feel stress I'm gonna do five. Uh, I used to do a thing, and I need to do these things uh, where I would try to do five breaths, and on each breath, on each inhale, I would think of something I was grateful for. You want to turn your day around? Woo, that's a good one to do. So you inhale and you think I'm so grateful to be alive, which I don't always acknowledge, right? And then you exhale and then you point to the next finger. So you're occupying your fingers and there's something about touching your fingers while you're doing this that kind of cements it in your brain because it's the full experience of all the senses and you inhale and you think, you know, I'm so grateful that my child is healthy, right? And And you do that for the five fingers and I'm telling you, change a bad day right there. So however many times, but inhaling and exhaling. I went to a conference a couple of years ago. Good afternoon, Judy. So thrilled you're here. Um, And I love Mr. ABS says, important to inhale through the nose and exhale out through the mouth. And I think that that's super advice. It's not always possible for everybody. Like if your nose is stuffed up, you know, you may not be able to do that. So if you can though, Absolutely. I love Ms. Hell's Razor says, OMG, yes, music is awesome. Sometimes my son hums a song and, uh, and I can put it on for him. So, so great. I'll tell you what, too. Um, it's another way to connect with your kids. And I encourage you when you're in the car, play music that you like and see how your kid responds uh, because they may not like your music. And then if they don't like your music, kind of pay attention to that and play other things to see what they do like. I'm an 80s girl. I'm not ashamed of it, um, but I, so I was playing orchestral maneuvers in the dark for my son, and he just loved it, and and we really, really, really connected over this one song uh, that to this day is super fun, and whenever it comes on, the two of us will jam out to it. Um, but the inhaling and exhaling, back to what you were saying, Mr. ABS, um, Yeah, if you can, um, inhale through the nose because then it's filtering through your nose hairs. Sure, absolutely. And exhale through the mouth so that you really can get all the gunk out. But if you can't, if you can't, inhale and exhale three times. And then add more. It's free. And it only takes a couple of seconds. And we're all in a hurry, but you have time to inhale and exhale. Even if you're like, you're, you're someplace where it is the most stressful, if you can just concentrate on one slow inhale and exhale, then it, it will turn things around for you. So super duper duper important. Inhale and exhale. Uh, number four, one of my favorite ones, take a mini mental vacation. Here's another one that they've done studies on that wouldn't we, oh man, a couple of weeks ago when the the what which was it the powerball or whatever was over a billion dollars whoo it made me so happy to buy a ticket and then think about how would i spend all that money that is a mini mental vacation for me and do you know that they have done studies on this that uh you know we all want a a billion dollars i mean is there anybody who would turn down a billion dollars um, and it's not because we really want a billion dollars. If somebody handed you a billion dollars, it's not the billion dollars that you really want. It's the feeling of I could do anything and there's nothing to stop me, right? It's the feeling that we want. Guess what? You can have the feeling whenever you want by taking a mini mental vacation. You want to go in a hot air balloon, but you can't because you can't afford it. You don't live where they are. You don't know anybody that does it. It's okay. You can close your eyes for a minute and you can imagine it. And guess what? Imagining it and having it, if you will take the time to imagine it, they release the same endorphins in your brain and you get the same feeling 
momentarily, not forever, right? But you can get the same, you know, I just visited Super Mario World the other day because they're getting ready to open at Universal and they have all those like boxes where, and if you have this wristband and you, you hit it, it, just like in the Super Mario game, it goes cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching and you get the points. It's like that with the endorphins. If you, if you don't have to really be there in the hot air balloon, you can get the endorphins from it by imagining it. And you don't even have to buy an expensive VR, VR game to do it. You can close your eyes and for two minutes imagine that you're there. Use your imagination um, to take, you know, to go to Disneyland for two minutes. I like to imagine being a billionaire. Um, what do you like to imagine? Now, the difficulty with this is that they need to be mini mental vacations. And you need to give it to, like, you can sit and picture yourself on a beach in the middle of winter, in the middle of a snowstorm, and get the same sort of endorphins. But the problem becomes that they become min mini mental vacations is that you don't spend more time in the fantasy world than in the real world. Let me also say that this is what our kids do. Our kids take mini mental vacations whenever there isn't something that's stimulating enough for them. And they go inward to a place that's cooler, that's better, where they can manipulate the things, they can be in control, and they, you know, picture, somebody wrote in the other day and said, my son makes this noise when he pictures leveling up in his game. He's not even playing the game, he's picturing it. That's exactly what our kids do. That's how they're regulating themselves. The problem becomes that sometimes if the world outside isn't reinforcing enough that our kids will spend more time in the mini mental vacation and make it a permanent mental vacation or a long-term mental vacation than the world. We want to be mindful of that when we use this trick to help ourselves and make sure that we keep it a mini mental vacation. I think this is a, a especially effective when there's a break in our day, like let's say that you get a lunch hour, that you take five or ten minutes of it to just sit quietly. And I know people are like, well, she's talking about meditation. Kind of. I mean, there's lots of different times of meditation, but I'm very specifically saying that there is a scheduled part of your day that you go, I'm going to let my head imagine the perfect scenario. Um, it is powerful. Uh, it, it's actually called creative visualization. If you want to go read more about it, it's a very, very powerful thing that helps reduce stress. But it needs to be a very set amount of time. My husband and I went through a period of time where we, uh, the doctor really wanted us to do these stretches. So we decided we would do every night, we would both do these stretches, and then we would sit on the floor, crisscross applesauce, hold hands, and we would set a timer for two minutes and we would just visualize. I know it sounds very kumbaya, we're all gonna sit around the fire and you know, uh, sing and, <laughs> and whatever, which is not a bad thing, right? But it sounds airy-fairy, I know. But, we would, but I'll tell you something, and this was when we were in the thick of our intervention, it was two minutes when my husband and I connected. So we would spend the, we'd spend like two minutes stretching, two minutes holding hands on the floor and just visualizing good things. And then for two minutes afterwards, we would tell each other what we pictured. And can I tell you that it was at a time when we didn't have two nickels to rub together, when life wasn't going the way we wanted it to go. And one of the things that we would visualize um, was, because you know we were in this very small condo in this complex that was a little scary, and I would visualize that we were going to be in a house that had enough space that we could have a dog. That's all I wanted was I wanted a backyard so that we could have a dog, so that our son could have a dog. And I would sit there and I, and I would visualize, and, I, and this was free form, I, and it's where the idea for writing a book came up. Um, and I would say that, and my husband would visualize, and he's an actor, and he would visualize that he was only making his living being an actor, and that he had these opportunities or whatever, and it was all pie in the sky. Most of that has come to pass. And we just were having that conversation the other day. Uh, my husband uh, just had, ha he's a, a voice in a new game that just came out. We weren't allowed to talk about it for the longest time, but now I'm allowed to say that um, he is a voice in the new Fire Emblem Nintendo game. 
There's another name for it, fire emblem something, but I can't think what it is. But those things came to pass from that mini mental vacation that we took together. So you can do this by yourself or you can do this with a loved one. And I think it's part of the reason why we were able to get through the stress as a couple was we connected like that. So mini mental vacations don't make them long-term. Short, and you feel the buzz from it. You'll, you'll be like, hey, and it kind of carries with you through the day. You're like, oh, there is an alternate universe where I have a book out. That was so unthinkable to me. And now I do, I have a book. So these things happen. Evelyn says, great points. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Hellraiser says, if I won that money, I'd love to help other families like mine. That would bring me so much joy. Oh, believe me, don't I understand that? But you can feel that joy by just imagining it for two minutes. Just imagine, okay, what would I do? If I had all that money, what would I do? I know exactly what I would do. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I had great fun uh, for like two weeks, every, you know, every time it was, oh, it rolled over, it's more money. And I'd be like, okay, now I have more money. Here's what I'm going to do with it. I enjoyed it. It was like getting to go away. My friend went on a cruise for a week. I didn't go on the cruise. I went on the lottery mini, mini mental vacation cruise. Okay. Number five, I'm a lunatic, but here's number five, dance to good music. We already talked about how powerful music is. You need to move your body. You need to move your body, and I'm a dork, I'm not a good dancer, but this is, I think, the best thing that we did while our son was in intervention um, because I would get so stuck. He, I would, I would have to do work, and I'd be in the house doing work, and he was having his therapy in the house, but then I'd have to leave, go to speech, whatever. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. My husband would come home from work, stress, 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 right? And we're trying to figure out how to pay the bills and how to live and get dinner cooked. And then we got to try to do this sleep thing to get him to bed, right? But what we would do almost every day for a couple of years was that as soon as the last therapy was over and we were switching from this is our getting it done mode to we're going to have dinner and be a family and get ready for bed, we would turn on music for one song, one song, and we would dance in the living room. Just dance it out. Just, you know, like with our son, my husband, my son, and I, we would just dance it out in the living room for one song. And then as soon as it was over, we would know, okay, now we're moving on to the next thing. It Because I'll tell you what's stressful is when you are doing something, doing something, doing something, doing something, and then you stop doing that and say, now I'm going to do this, that's a hard transition. That's a hard transition for anybody. That's a hard transition for an adult. Think what it's like for a kid on the spectrum. Hard transition. You're going to get some feedback if you, <coughs> if you just go, boom, we've been doing this, and boom, we're going to do this now. Putting on music, and you know it starts, and everybody's kind of moving a little bit low, and then everybody gets wild, whatever, dance party in your house. Now, if you need it more, do it more. If you get up in the morning and you guys need to do a dance party before we go off to start the day, do it. We have the, the thing in our house now where I say, Alexa, play this song. And, and it's pretty much the same song every morning. And I dance and sing to the song to get myself jazzed for the day. It's a much better way to start the day. Much better way to start the day. Involve your kids. Um, but dance it out. Um, that's what they always used to say on Grey's Anatomy, I thoroughly, but pick good music that you like to dance to. And if everybody doesn't agree, rotate it, right? And you can dance by yourself or you can dance with your kids, or you can dance with your significant other and your kids, whatever the combination. But I'll tell you what, I could have put on here exercise and, and exercise is great too. Sometimes we don't have time to exercise, but dancing to good music counts. And it helps to regulate. I learned for sure during the pandemic that moving my body and getting a little breathless, even if it's just a couple of minutes, which most songs are like two minutes and 30 seconds, helps to regulate my stress. And it helps our kids too. So dance, dance it out. Okay, number six, I think is really super important. Hello, Helen. Um, so thrilled that you're here. I think it's really important that you understand why am I doing what am I doing? Because people are going to challenge you and be like, I don't understand why you're spending so much time doing that, right? 
whatever their their thing is. But if you know why you're doing something, it's so much easier to do what you have to do. If you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, we have to do this and we have to do that and we have to do, it is such a drag. And it makes your stress go up because it just feels like stuff stacking over you, right? But if you know, okay, we're doing this because um, this is the ideal time for our child to learn as much as they possibly can and because we love our child and because we prioritize that and because we want them to have the brightest future that they can, then suddenly you, then you get into the mode of, okay, so what are we doing towards that today? Oh, right, we get to go to speak. Oh, right, we get to have this. Oh, right, we get to go do this. And everything gets easier. It's when we don't know what we're doing and why we're doing it and we don't know if it's effective that stress goes through the roof. So get clear on what your why is. What is the end goal that you want to achieve? What's the mission? For our family, we got very clear and wrote out a manifesto about, you know, this is this is what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we said early on, because we looked at all the scenarios of people who had been taking care of their kids with autism and getting them the services, and we were like, what outcome do we like and what do those outcomes have in common? And they were people who said, we're going to make this a priority. So that was what we said. I'm not saying that that's your solution, but that is what we did, and I'll never be sorry that we did that. Neither will my husband. I don't think our son fully understands what we did, uh, but he's still grateful. But my husband and I are like, oh, yeah, no, that was the right choice for us. For us, maybe not for you. But um, we prioritized and said for the next few years, we are going to make it a priority that we do everything that we can and then we'll reevaluate when we get there. And it meant that some stuff became more important and other stuff became less important, but it wasn't from a thing of resentment because we understood it was a choice. We are doing this because this is where we want to get to. And I think getting clear on that in your mind is critical. Because uh, we can do all kinds of things when we understand why. For instance, you know, when when you go to have labor pains, uh, you know, people talk about it's just like the most excruciating thing in the world. But women who birth babies go, yes, but you know that you're having a baby. You know, it's not just you know that you're feeling like you're being split open. You know, it's the goal is you're having a baby, and they can withstand that pain better because they understand this is the process of having a baby. Um, I think that all things are like that. If you understand why you're doing something, you're much more capable of doing it even when it gets hard. And sometimes it gets hard. Let's be honest about that. Okay, number seven, changing it up, you got to laugh. You got to laugh at every possible opportunity that you can. Now, what makes you laugh? might be different than what makes me laugh. Um, so pick your thing. For us, when we were in the thick of things, um, the internet was not quite what it is now. Um, but we had, uh, this is how long ago it was, we had a VHS tape that was the Conan O'Brien's Greatest Moments of Triumph, the Insult Dog. We watched that thing so many times. My husband and I would sit down. We, we, did, not, we did not have cable. We did not have HBO. We didn't have anything. Um, and so we would put that in, and we would watch it, and we would laugh until we were like stupid and falling off the couch. And the irony to me is that at no time while we were doing that, and it's silly. It's, uh, you know, if you watch Triumph the Insult Dog, it's just silliness. And we especially loved when he would interview celebrities and, you know, his tagline, you know, he'll be interviewing somebody and he'll, he'll say, you know, ask them a question and they say, oh, well, you know, I have this lovely jewelry line and, he, and his response is for me to poop on. Now, you can't get sillier than that, right? Like that is as silly as it gets. And we would sob. We would laugh so hard uh, because we needed it. We needed it so desperately, and we didn't have another way to get it. I'm very funny. My husband's very funny. But, you know, you can't, you can't always feel funny, right? But we would just laugh and laugh. At no point did we realize or know 
that the gentleman who is Triumph the Insult Dog, who does the voice and is the writer for it, we did not know that he was a dad going through the same thing, that he has two kids on the spectrum. Uh, Robert Smigel. Did not occur to us, didn't know, but I love the perfect irony of that, that what got us through and made us laugh was an autism dad. You know? It doesn't have to be that for you. Find what makes you laugh. There's so much available now. You can just, you know, go on your phone and go on Funny or Die. Um, or on Facebook, you know, I watch way too much now of all the dog videos uh, and, you know, and I will weep or laugh or whatever. Last night we had friends come over and what did we all do after, you know, we were talking, we all started talking about the funniest videos online. I saw a video the other night that I laughed so long and so hard that Jim and Jem came to see what I was doing. I'm going to have to show it to Traven later. <laughs> of a horrible husband who has a leaf blower and likes to surprise his wife. Oh, this man, like, honestly, and I said to both my husband and my son, don't you ever do this to me. I would, you would be thrown out of the house instantly. I would never speak to you again. Um, but he, like, his wife is sitting there like eating a bowl of cereal, and he comes in with a leaf blower, and, and, and it all goes, it's hilarious. It's just so wrong. It's so wrong. But you got to laugh. And don't judge yourself for what you laugh at. It doesn't matter how stupid or silly it is. You need to laugh. You need those muscles. You need to show your kids that laughter is a great thing. Find the way to laugh, whatever, whatever it is. May, yes, Robert Smigel uh, who was the creator of Beavis and Butthead and um, is Triumph the Insult Dog, yes, has two now adult young men uh, that are his sons that are on the spectrum. How about that, right? Uh, okay, so number seven, laugh. Number eight, create things to look forward to. You've got to find big and small reinforcers for yourself, and they've got to be short-term and long-term um, because it's got to you got to feel like you've got something hopeful to come to. Now, for us, the big long-term thing to look forward to for me that I would always picture was my son graduating from high school. And that was going to be my be-all, end-all, that he was going to graduate. And, and I started picturing that back in the time when people said to me, you know, he's not going to be able to get a high school diploma. People said that to me. My son graduated from a college prep high school with honors. Now, that's not everybody's story, but I decided that we were going to get as far as we could, and that was the picture that I held in my head, that he was going to be standing in front of me in a cap and gown, and that I was going to say to him, we did everything that we could, and that I was going to know in my heart and my soul that that was the truth. And that I would say to him when we were standing there, now the world is yours. You go do whatever you want to do. And I took that moment. And there's a picture of me with my son saying that to him, sobbing, right? Um, but here's the other thing, is that when you, when you set things to look forward to when they happen, now you got to find a new thing, right? So now my new thing is picturing him graduating from college, yes which back in the day, I didn't even know that that was something that I could visualize that could happen. And it's going to happen. He's, you know, today he's starting his second semester of his sophomore year. It flies by. So that was my long-term thing. But then I would have short-term things that were like, okay, you know, on Valentine's Day, we're going to do this, uh, whatever it is. And and they've got to be, you know, some of them have got to be big and some of them have got to be small. You've got to have things to look forward to. You've got to have things to work towards. Because if you don't, it all, like, didn't we have that problem in the pandemic that it all starts to feel like mush? Like it's just a grind. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't do well with that. i gotta, I got to have things that I know that are coming, things to look forward to. Like, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be big. In a, any given day, you have to have something to look forward to. If it's a moment when you know you're going to sit down at some point today and you're going to have your favorite cup of tea, if that is reinforcing for you, that can be enough. If it's not, you got to find what your thing is. 
Um, I've really gotten in the last two years into pottery. I could never have done that when my son was young and in intervention. But I look forward to it. I'm like, oh, this weekend I get to go to the pottery studio as many hours as I want to. And no one can stop me, right? Um, so find it's so personal. I can't know for you. But if you need help figuring it out, let me know. But find the thing, find reinforces for yourself every day, every week, and every year, things to look forward to, right? And things that are way far down the road. Get a picture in your head of where you want to be when your child is 18 and work towards it. It'll help you. Okay, number nine. Um, this is the only one on the list that might take a little bit of time, and you can, you can spend money on it. But we actually have somewhere, Traven, a guided meditation that I did. It's 11 minutes long for stressed-out parents. I don't know if Traven can find that for us, where that is, and hook you guys up with it. But I will tell you, I never like to say to autism parents, oh, go meditate, because if you're so stressed, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? And people go, I don't know, I don't know how to meditate. Like, and there's so many different types of meditation. And, and a lot of times you find yourself meditating, and, but your thought process is, I don't know if I'm doing this right, right? I think it's much easier when you're starting out or in a, in a stressful situation to do a guided meditation where you say, okay, I'm going to put this voice in my ears for however many minutes and I'm going to let them drive the bus, and I'm just going to go where they tell me to go. Because then you can kind of quiet the mind a little bit, and you might find that you go to sleep if, if, you know, obviously you can't do it while you're driving a car. But if, you know, if that's what happens, uh, I love the Calm app. And there is a free aspect of the Calm app, uh, and you can go on there and you can listen to guided meditations. Uh, my favorite thing, because I am an insomniac, if I can't sleep, I just, I have now, uh, my insurance, my health insurance pays for the Calm app, which is great. Uh, but so I have the McConaughey factor. If I can't go to sleep, I just pop in the earbuds and I turn on Matthew McConaughey's Wonder. Stop it. I've never, in how many years I've been doing it, I've never heard the whole thing. It's 31 minutes long. I have no idea what it's about. No idea whatsoever. I don't even have to put the app anymore. This is how powerful it is. I don't even have to put the app in anymore. If I, I've, I've been traveling and not been able to go to sleep, if I just sit there and I go, okay, I'm going to remember what Matthew McConaughey says and picture his voice and try to remember, I fall asleep. Done, over, peace out. And sometimes that's the purpose of meditation. Other times it's to make you feel refreshed, whatever. You need rest and your brain needs rest. Whichever way you get it, awake or asleep, I'm going to say it's all good, right? But I really advocate listening to guided meditations. To start, then branch out. I started to say earlier, I went to this conference and this guy was talking about meditation and the studies shown on families who did meditation who had kids with special needs. And it showed the parents' stress and overall health, but it also showed the progress of the child. And it showed that with 20 minutes of meditation that the parents' health improved and that the kids' outcome improved. Outcome. That how they were doing in their, with their autism symptoms and whatever therapies they were doing were better if the parent was doing 20 minutes of meditation. But then he upended the whole thing and said, let's see what it is at an hour. Now, now you're just talking ridiculous to me because I, and I you know, pretty much at this conference, I was like, I don't know an autism parent that has an hour a day to meditate. Meditate. I don't know anybody that has that. Um, but according to him and these studies that parents who did an hour of meditation, their health and well-being went off the chart well and so did their kids' outcome. Now that is crazy to me, but crazy interesting to me. So I'm saying start with three breaths, start with a guided meditation for however many minutes you can put up with it, um, and then if you can get to an hour, write and tell me about it. I have not gotten to an hour yet, and you know my kid is doing very well. I still don't have an hour every day to meditate, probably because I haven't prioritized it. Okay, I'll accept that. 
but I want to know if anybody else really finds this to be true. He had hundreds of studies that he played on the screen, and, and I went, okay, that's a lot of studies that show this. Okay, and then the last one, okay, here's the big left turn <laughs> that you weren't expecting. My last bit of advice is, and I, I should preface this with, if you have little ones, this is not a discussion for little ones to be around, but it's have safe consensual sex. And if you don't have anybody to do that with, do that with yourself. Uh, because there are endorphins that are released with having safe consensual sex with other people or by yourself, the, the release for your muscles, the breathing, it's kind of like all of the things that we've talked about all in one. It is a stress reducer if it is safe consensual sex. Um, and it is a way to connect if you have a significant other. Uh, it is a way to connect with them and to stay together. If you don't, don't beat yourself up about that. But you don't, you know, there are lots of ways to have the endorphins. And by the way, this isn't just about orgasms. It is not. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be uh, intercourse. Uh, it, but a connection with yourself or with another person and your body is a very important thing. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, y'all. Uh, right? If we, if we look at what are the essential parts to a person and their well-being, it's on there. It's on there. And I think sometimes we back burner that because it's like, well, you know, who has time for that? Make time. Make time to sleep, make time to feel pleasure, make time to be in your body, make time to connect, you know what I mean? All of those things. And if you do, then, you know, pick the ones on the list that are most readily available to you that you're like, oh, that resonates with me, that makes sense. Uh, but work your way up to as many on the uh, list of 10 as you possibly can and then let us know how your stress level is doing. Because the stress is going to be there, we're just trying to manage it. If you can be below a five, you're going to get more done. Studies show, right? All right, we're out of time, but this has been so pleasurable to be with all of you. I hope we've given you something to think about, something to do today to reduce the stress. Uh, obviously, there are a million and eight other things we could have said, but I wanted them to be things that actually really help and things that are free and available to you whenever you need them. You're not going to have to go take a class to learn about it. You, these things are available to you now. Okay. Uh, much love to all of you. We're back tomorrow with Ask Dr. Doreen. On Wednesday, we have Garth Herberg and uh, Jason Weisbrod from Spectrum Laboratories are going to be here talking about some really cool stuff they did in 2022 and what they got coming up in 2023. Uh, on Thursday, we are going to have, we thought we were going to have it for you last week, but we're going to have it this week, the Let's Talk Movies with myself and Moira Giamatteo. We're heating up towards the Oscars, so this will be really cool. And then uh, on Friday, we're going to replay the episode, the new episode of Stories from the Spectrum that we just unveiled. You can watch it now. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's really cool, you guys. So we'll see you tomorrow with Dr. Randy Shake. Until then, bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.